you so much for tuning in to Church Online. I'm so honored that you're here with us today. If you're our guest, welcome. Thank you for being here. We're kicking off a brand new series for the month of March we're calling Influencer. And today, uh, the title of your message, you've got your notes there in front of you. The title of your message is, A Lot of You Have Asked. I know if you've seen many things on social media or if you follow many influencers, I've begun to recognize that that's, I hear that a lot. A lot of you have asked, or a lot of you have been asking, and it's a way for them to segue into how-tos or whatever it is they're trying to push, whatever uh, product or whatever thing that they're trying to push or sell uh, as an influencer. That's what you hear. A lot of you have been asking about it. Influencer marketing is kind of this phenomenon that has taken the world by storm in the last four or five years. It's a form of marketing which focuses, uh, the focus is placed on individuals rather than a target market as a whole. Over the last five years, it's grown really from obscurity to a form of marketing where even the biggest brands in the world are investing in. Check this out. From uh, In 2016, the, the total uh, slice of the pie from influence marketing was $1.7 billion. Now, that's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but from 16 until last year, 2020, it has grown from $1.7 billion to an estimated growth of $9.7 billion just last year. It's expected to exceed $13.8 billion this year alone. That's insane. The, the amount of money people are investing in what they call influencers. Now, there's five types of influencers, and many of you have seen a lot of them. They're, the first one is they call mega influencers. These are superstars. These are celebrities, and they have millions and millions and millions of followers. And then it kind of goes down from there. You have macro influencers. These are influencers between 100,000 and a million followers. Then you have micro, and then you have nano. Micro influencers have between 1,000 and 100,000 and nano influencers are anywhere from zero up to a thousand followers. And many of us are probably in that nano market. If we have social media of any kind, you probably have zero to a thousand or roughly 1,500 to 2,000. Most people kind of carry that kind of following on their social media platforms. And one interesting thing that I've began to learn as I began to research this phenomenon, influencer phenomenon, and they even began to learn now the reason they're able to make more money and invest more resources is because over the last five years, they've learned that it's not so much the masses that makes all of the difference. The interesting thing that they've began to learn is the smaller the following, the greater potential for influence. Meaning nano and micro influencers actually carry a larger amount of engagement, significantly larger amount of engagement than any others, than macro or mega. So all of these big companies in, the, in, in all over the world, they're actually beginning to spend more money investing in smaller followings, people that have smaller followings, because they've learned if they can just invest in a bunch of people with smaller followings in their niche thing, then the, then the people that are that they're doing life with, the people that, that follow them in those smaller gatherings in their social media tend to engage to a larger degree. The smaller the, the smaller the following, the larger 
the influence. The whole month of March, we're going to be challenged with the fact that our individual influence with our sphere, the people around us that we do life with, is far greater than an impression than anything else can make on your life or anyone else's life. Micro and nano influencers are far more effective. That's you and that's me. Maybe you are here today and you've really just kind of struggled with your li- in your life with the, any kind of amount of influence that you've had. Maybe you have thought to yourself, if I could just gain more followers. I know that that's the reality in many teenagers and young people's lives even today. We can, and even uh, I'm, I'm in my 30s and you can kind of still get caught up in the, uh, the rat race of trying to gain influence in your life. And social media is a large part of that. And maybe you have thought, man, there's just no way I could gain that kind of influence that kind of following that people would that that many people would care about what I say. What if I told you today that it's not about how many, it's about the influence you have already. And if you could engage the influence you have already, and I could engage the influence I have already, and all of us around engage your individual influence, that the potential of change and life change and the gospel reaching the nations is far greater than one person or just a couple of people reaching mass numbers. That's the hope that we're going to talk about today. If you've got your notes, I want to read our theme verse that we're going to be reading this month together. It's Matthew chapter 5, verse 14 through 16. Jesus says it this way. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp when it, and then puts it under a basket. Instead, A lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. So what's Jesus saying? He's really saying, you're the light of the world. You're the city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. What's he saying? You're an influencer. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. Instead, the lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to the darkness. It influences the darkness. Whenever light is there, something changes. Things happen. Jesus has called us to influence the world. Right in the beginning of that same passage in Matthew chapter 5, just a couple of verses before, he says, you are the salt of the earth. I love what the message version says in Matthew chapter 5 in verse 16. He says, by opening, by opening your life up to others, you'll prompt them, you'll influence them to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. What if your greatest potential for life change, your greatest potential to change the world is already in your hands. What if it's already your world? The smaller the following, the greater the influence. Your life is influencing those closest to you for good or for bad, far greater than those at a distance. And if we could grab hold of that single truth, it could make all of the difference. So I wanna pray with you today. And I'm going to share with you three things that I believe can challenge us and encourage us to walk out our faith, 
to make a difference in the sphere of influence that God has given each and every one of us. Because there are people in your life today, right now, that are watching you. They're watching you on social media. They're watching you at your job. They're watching you in your home. You've got little feet running around. Many of you, children watching their parents. Your, your family, your parents are watching you. Your, 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 your friends. Come on, we all have an amount. We all have a, a handful of influence that God has entrusted to us to make a difference with. So what does it look like for us to begin to walk that out? So let's pray together and then let's dive into our notes and see what the Word of God can do in us and through us. So Father, we love you. We're so grateful for your Word, that it is alive and breathing. Your Word teaches us that it is for us. It corrects us. It challenges us. It inspires us. Uh, and 2 Timothy says that it, it equips us for every good work. And so, Father, today, for everyone under the sound of my voice, Lord, that this we pray that this would not just be a, something that we checked off of the list of things that needed to be done today. But, Father, we pray that we are equipped, that we are challenged. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Perform spiritual surgery on our hearts so that we can live a life on purpose that honors you. May you get all the glory and all the honor out of our lives through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So a lot of you have asked, and I want to tell you, an influencing faith is, number one, authentic. What does it mean for my faith to influence others? Well, the first thing you need to know is it's, it has to be authentic. I love Luke chapter 8, verses 34 through 35, because we see authenticity in Jesus so much throughout the New Testament. It says, when, I, when the herdsmen saw it, I'll, I'll give you just a little bit of a background. This is in Luke chapter 8 when Jesus had gone to the other side of a lake, sends his disciples all the way over there, and they go all the way to this small town for seemingly one purpose. There was a demon-possessed man in Luke chapter 8, and Jesus goes all the way to the other side of the lake, and he frees this man from potentially years of demonic oppression in his life. The Bible teaches us in Luke chapter 8 that all of the people in the town had done all they could do to, to help this man, to figure out some way that this man wouldn't be a nuisance in their community. He was demon-possessed. And Jesus comes along and he sets this man free. And the Bible says that when they found him, he was in his right mind and at the feet of Jesus. And check this out. When they saw what had happened, it says when they saw it, they fled to the nearby town and the surrounding countryside, spreading the news as they ran. People rushed out to see what had happened. And it says, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus and they saw the man who had been freed from demons. These people, these herdsmen saw it and they began running and sharing the news. And when they saw it, they came to see what had happened. And if you read the rest of that story, they saw what Jesus did and they were afraid. They were worried. Because in that story, Jesus released this man from a legion of demons. But the Bible teaches us that those demons went and they left the man and they went into a herd of a thousand sheep, a thousand pigs, rather. And, and those pigs ran off of a cliff and died. And all of the community, they were more worried about their economy than they were about humanity. And because of that, they told they, they requested Jesus to leave. They saw what had happened. They heard the story from these random herdsmen, and they left. 
But I love as this story continues, people, there are a lot of times we get out of this scripture that uh, different things and why would they, Jesus is a gentleman and why he's not going to stay if he's not wanted, all of those things. But I love what Jesus did. If you continue to read in Luke chapter 8, it says, so he returned to the boat and left because that asked him and crossed back to the other side of the lake. It says, the man who had been freed from the demons begged to go with him. And listen to what Jesus did. But Jesus sent him home saying, no, go back to your family and tell them everything God has done for you. So he went all through the town proclaiming the great things Jesus had done for him. See, it was authentic. It was a real thing that had happened to him. It's one thing to hear a random story from herdsmen running through the town. It's a whole other thing to hear it from the horse's mouth. It's a whole other thing to hear an authentic faith from a life that has been changed by the power of Jesus. I often wondered why Jesus didn't let him go with him. And then I reminded, I was just reminded through studying this passage, it was because that there's no greater person to share that story on that island than him. It was his story. It couldn't be more authentic than him. And the reality is he was going to see, he was going to uh, see life change in those closest to him through his authenticity. Is there's power in your story. We all have a story. And I don't know if you're like me. Uh, growing up, I gave my heart to Jesus. I, I, I came to faith when I was 13 years old. I surrendered my life to what I felt was the call of God on my life when I was 14 years old. I have lived at this point the majority of my life following Jesus and chasing after what I feel is his purpose for my life. Early on, I really struggled with the reality that my story just wasn't, didn't seem to be as powerful as others. Come on, I wasn't a demon-possessed man full of a legion of demons who was set free by the power of God. Early on, years and years ago, there was an evangelist that made rounds uh, in, our, uh, in the town that I grew up in and the churches that I grew up in. And uh, He had an incredible story. This guy was a gang leader, and uh, early on in his life, he became the leader of the, one of the largest gangs in the city of Chicago. He was uh, an alcoholic. He was addicted to drugs. I mean, it was just this—God redeemed him from an incredibly— um, horrible situation in his life. From the time he was eight years old, he was induced into, inducted into a gang and lived much of his life uh, in the chaos of, his, of, of, of the world. And then the Lord rescued him from it. And I remember just hearing his story and I would often say to myself, there's no way I can measure up to that kind of story. And maybe you've done that in your own life. You've just said, man, my story's just not great. Or maybe you're still in the middle of your story. Maybe that maybe you're still fighting, trying to figure out your story. Can I tell you, there's nothing more powerful than your authentic story. You know, there, there's no one like you. There's no one like me. Jesus gave the man in Luke chapter 8 an audience with his family. Remember, let's go back and read. He said, no, 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 I want you to go back to where? Your family. He didn't send him to the thousands in the town. He didn't send him to the masses. He didn't give him an audience with millions of people. He gave him an audience with his family. He gave him an audience with this nano opportunity for influence. 
And he's given you an audience too. Come on, there's no one in the world like you with a story like yours that can make a difference in your sphere of influence like you can. Your life lived out authentically is the change agent that someone close to it needs for them to see Jesus clearly. Let that sink in a moment. Your story, your life, God has placed you where you are, the job that you have, the home that you live in, the friends that you have, the kids that you have, the family that you have, in that nano opportunity of influence. He has placed it on you to make the greatest difference. It's not, it doesn't matter what the masses think. Come on, he's giving you an influence with people closest to you and the greatest opportunity for change comes through your authenticity. I was reading this past week from an influencer marketing expert. There's lots of those out there I have learned. And this is what they've said, that, that the largest brands have had to let go of the narrative to preserve authenticity of what's being communicated. They have had to realize that they can no longer control the narrative of the story. If they want their brand to sell, they've got to turn their brand loose and let it work through the authenticity of the person because people closest to them will know if they're fake or if they're real. They'll know if they're just carrying it on or if it's a legitimate product that they're trying, that they really believe in. And can I tell you the same is true with your faith? Come on, if it's not authentic, if it's not truly what you're, what you're living out, if you're not truly honoring God with you, doing the best you can with what you have in your faith, those closest to you will know it. Are you walking the talk? Are you doing? Are you, are you authentic in the life that you're living? Experts have learned that if it doesn't seem authentic to those niche followers, then people won't res respond appropriately. In other words, they, they have less engagement. But when it's authentic, the conversion rate is significantly higher. Here's what I've learned. As long as I'm trying to be someone I'm not, I'll miss out on gaining an audience with the people who need me the most. Jesus sent him home to his family. What does that mean? You be you. Live out your life authentic. There's no one like you. Come on, I know it's cliche, you've heard it your whole life, but your thumbprint, no one else on earth has a thumbprint like you. No one else on earth is you. God created you specifically on purpose, for a purpose, to be authentically you. Uh, an inspiring faith, an influencing faith is authentic. There's no story on earth like yours, and someone in your sphere of influence needs to see you live out your life authentically so that they can see Jesus clearly. Number two, it's appealing. An influencing faith is appealing. Another way to say that is it's engaging. It invites conversation. I love it. In John chapter 3, we see Jesus always invited conversation. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark one evening, because he was ashamed to even come to him in daylight, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. 
Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. What is he doing? He's engaging in the authenticity of who Jesus was. He knew from from watching him at a distance, he knew that Jesus was authentic. He was who he said he was. And what did he do? His authenticity was appealing to him. It, It invited conversation. Everything Jesus did invited people into the conversation. He was inviting and his life demanded engagement. You see, many times in scripture where people engaged Jesus in conversations, they had questions to ask about the life that he was living or they chose to follow him or they told someone about him. Come on, that's the, that's the, it's the common modern day opportunity of tagging someone. Hey, you have to check this out or the, uh, you know, doing the symbol, tagging them on social media, letting them see something that you were interested in. They were engaging in with Jesus. When's the last time that you remember having a life-giving conversation about your faith in Jesus in some way? Well, let that sink in for a moment. When's the last time your life was engaging to the point where someone had a question about your faith or had a question about the life that you're living? What about those closest to you? When's the last time you've had an engaging, appealing, life-giving conversation about your faith? I'll give you some, uh, some helpful hints, uh, hints that'll maybe help you open the door to these conversations. These are not in your notes. These are extra, so you want to write these down. Kerry Newhoff is a pastor in Canada. He's a well-known Christian thought leader, and he provided these on his blog, and he was interviewing a friend of his who was a physician, a doctor uh, in, in their town, and had incredible insight on how to have life-giving conversations with those who don't know Jesus about your faith, because I know It's intimidating to do those things. But if we're authentic in the life that we're living, then it's going to be appealing. So we need to know how to talk about it. So number one, you need to move past your assumptions. Move past your assumptions. What does that mean? I know what you're assuming right now because I do the same thing. Nobody wants to hear me talk about my faith. It's awkward to strike up that conversation. Did you know that statistically we know that more people are interested in faith conversations than not? If you play the odds, statistically, the person you're sitting across from is more likely wishing that you would actually bring it up. More people are open to faith conversations than you would ever give credit for. It's actually kind of a lie that that we've believed in that people don't want to talk about their faith. The world literally is seeking in every direction to fill the void that only Jesus can fill. And we have the answers. So the first thing we have to do if we're living out our faith authentically is we've got to get past the assumption that nobody wants to hear about it. Actually, more people than not are actually open to a conversation. Number two, you need to write this down. You need to express genuine interest. Genuine interest. I love this statement. First comes caring and then comes sharing. First comes caring and then comes sharing. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Your first conversation earns the right to the next conversation. Be interested genuinely in your friends, in your family, in their life. Don't make the conversation always about you. Ask genuine heartfelt questions about their life. Number three, this one is huge. You need to know your truth. You need to know what you're talking about. Come on, you need to reach daily into Scripture and apply the words of Jesus and the, and, and the apostles to your own life. 
You'll nurture and grow your soul and God can use you. What I've learned is my faith is often, my faith shared is an overflow of what God is already doing in me. If, I, if I'm not convicted of the truth of the gospel in my own life, it's going to be hard for me to authentically convince anyone else of that. You need to know, get into the word, have a prayer life. Number four, this one's huge. You need to share your stuff. You need to be honest. Come on, remember, you got to be authentic. Everybody's got stuff. You've got it. I've got it. We've all got things that we're walking through. We're, we don't all have our life all together. Come on, it's hard for everybody. Be appropriate, appropriately, but profoundly honest. Share what's going on in your life. Oh, you, you struggle with that? I do too. Me too. I go through the same things that you go through. I struggle with the same thought processes that you struggle with. The enemy attacks my life just like he has your life. I pray about it. I get, I get in the presence of God about it. What's the difference between you and me? Maybe it's my faith. And share your stuff as well. And then I love the last thing they shared is you need to let go. The potential conviction of knowing that, 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 that your friend, your family knowing their need for a Savior, they said, might happen in their heart. They may, in that conversation, discover their need for a Savior, but most likely they won't. And you've got to let that go. It's not your responsibility. Paul says it this way, some people water, some people plant the seed, but God gives the increase. It's not your job to be the one always to lead them to. Maybe God is using you in the moment to draw them closer to him and at some point they're going to make a faith decision. You just got to let go. Those are some simple tips of, in, of, of being appealing, engaging in conversation. An influencing faith is willing to move past their own insecurities to have a faith conversation. And then the third thing I'll share with you, an influencing faith today is active. Your faith has got to be active. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I love the message version. It says it this way. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. You want to write that down or underline it somewhere, highlight that somewhere. Place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. Come on, what's that? It's an active faith. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what He wants from you and quickly respond to it. Do it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you, and he develops well-formed maturity in you. I love it that it says, take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, everything that I am, place it before God as an offering. The only effective faith is an active faith. You can, you can claim faith in Jesus, but if, you're, if the fruit of your life is not showing faith in Jesus, can I, can I tell you, you're not going to influence very many people with the gospel. There are people who are literally in your life every day that apart from the gospel will spend eternity apart from God. Come on, let that sink in. And it hinges on my active, engaging faith. 
It's me. It hinges. God works through me to serve and, and help and love and make a difference in the lives of other people. Here's the question. How active is your faith? How active is it? What's your prayer life look like? Come on, what about your devotion to, to, to God's word or service, serving other people or worship? How much time does God get in your life? So what I've learned, the potency of my shared faith is a result of the activity of my personal faith. How strong is the opportunity for you to share your faith? Well, it really depends on how much God is actually, how, much, how, my, how active I actually am in my relationship with the Father. Here's, the, here's, the, here, here's a really convicting question that I've wrestled with in my own faith journey. If the fruit of my faith was placed before God as an offering right now in this moment, what would it look like? How active is your faith? I want to pray with you right where you are. Maybe you're here today and, and that's you. You would say, Brandon, that's me. If I'm honest, my faith really isn't very active. If I'm very honest, it's really not very appealing. Come on, if I really got down to the nuts and bolts of it, I haven't been very authentic here lately. I may have said one thing. I may, my, my social media may, may say one thing, but what I'm living out is probably not very authentic. And I need to change that. Come on, I need an authentic relationship with the Father. Come on, if I'm going to see anything, God change anybody's life around me, it's got to begin with me. So right where you are, maybe you're here today and you say, I don't even have a relationship with Jesus. I've never really experienced life with him. And I want to introduce you to him right where you are. You would simply say this prayer. Father, forgive me of my sins. I accept Jesus as my Savior. God, I recognize that your word teaches me that you demonstrated your love in this way, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for me. And Father, I accept Jesus as my Savior. And from this point forward, I follow Him as my Lord. I lay my sin down and I pick Jesus up. Father, from, the, from this day forward, help me live a life on purpose in a way that honors You. And Father, as we take steps in the, in the coming weeks, God, to influence those uh, around us with our faith, that we would recognize it's not everyone's responsibility out there. It's my responsibility here and now. God, you've given me an audience with those closest to me. And so, Father, allow me to use the influence that you've given me to the greatest potential uh, uh, opportunity to see life change in them. Let my faith be lived out in such a way that it's authentic, that it's appealing, and that it's active. God, that it engages people in conversation and they see Jesus lived out through me, that that would make all the difference in the world around us. In Jesus' name.